Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to another Arsblog Arscast, right here on arsblog.oleole.com. On the eve of the first North London derby of the season, the focus of this particular Arscast will be on that game, but there's other stuff, of course. We've had two games of football since then, West Ham and Liverpool, and we'll be discussing those along with the Spurs game with Gilberto Silva from gunnerblog.com, who will also be telling us about a special project he's been involved in, uh, which you can find out more about and which you can look at on Derby Day itself. As well as that, Arsene Wenger Hawkins is in the house, which is good news. He's back. Sylvester's here. And I'll be having a conversation with an actual real-life Spurs player, one of their squad, who made some comments during the week which really do need some uh, further examination, shall we say. So, since the last Arscast and this Arscast, uh, things have gone reasonably well. Could have been better in the league against West Ham on Sunday at 2-0 up. That is a game you expect Arsenal to win. Uh, especially against a West Ham team that really didn't look uh, like they were going to cause us too many problems. Um, our ability to let teams back into the game, to gift them goals this season, is something to behold. It's really kind of uh, magical in a non-magical way. Well, magical in a black magic way. Dark magic. Nasty evil magic. Um, of the goals we've conceded this season, I don't know, over 50% of them have been down to either our errors or goalkeeping errors. And uh, it's something we're going to have to uh, address if we really want to uh, win trophies this season. Um, the penalty that was given, it's the kind of penalty that gets given when you're at home, when your crowd are baying for blood or baying for uh, a penalty decision that wasn't previously. Now, it definitely wasn't a penalty, but uh, the ref uh, gave the penalty. I think had it been at the Grove, we would have wanted that penalty and probably would have been given that penalty. And then you look at the one, for example, that happened with Senderos against Liverpool when we didn't get a penalty given against us, which was probably more of a penalty than the one uh, Song gave away on Sunday. So these things, I'm not sure they even themselves out. They just happen in different ways in different games and, you know, all depending on the circumstances. Nevertheless, the point is that at 2-0 up, Arsenal uh, should never have uh, dropped two points. Arson spoke afterwards about uh, us needing to learn how to kill games off. Now, whether he means to score more goals, to make it impossible for them to get back in, that's one way of doing it. Or just not giving away silly goals, that'd be another way of doing it. Of being solid at the back and not conceding. Because we are scoring a lot of goals this season, absolutely no question about it. But we are conceding too many. And when you start playing against really good teams, as the Champions League progresses, as the the top-of-the-table games become more important, we can't afford to be conceding the amount of goals that we're conceding. So while it would have been nice to score another couple of goals and make the game safe and kill them off, we should also be able 
to to control that game and not concede and not let them back into it with individual errors. Um, we didn't have too much time to dwell on the disappointment, though, because we had the Carlin Cup game on Wednesday night, a mixture of a team, obviously, uh, experience and youth, and some of the youth stood out. Uh, for me, Aaron Ramsey was excellent. Craig Eastman, who really I hadn't heard a great deal about before this game, and I wasn't expecting him to start at all, was very impressive. And that's what the Carlin Cup is about, of course. It's about a young player coming in and performing and taking the chance that they've been given. We've seen players come through and play in the Carlin Cup team and not look particularly impressive until Wednesday night. Nobody had really heard of Craig Eastman. Now everybody knows who he is. Whether or not he's going to make it at Arsenal remains to be seen. He's only played 90 minutes. Too much hype regarding him or suggesting he might be better than this player or that player. It might be premature. It might be a little bit um, mischievous you might say, to push an agenda that you might have. Um, so I don't know. Let's let's uh, take it easy with someone like Craig Eastman. But it's positive that he can come in and do that. Fran Morita, another player who did very, very well. Uh, a brilliant goal. Arsene Wenger said before uh, the game that he had too much quality to let him go out on loan this season. Even though he's only got, um, I don't know, a few months left on his contract. It runs out next summer. So I think they're talking about that. Um, but if he can come in and do that, well, then you can see why the, the boss wanted him to stay. And what the performances, let's say, of Eastman and Ramsey and Morita in particular will have done is to show players like Diaby and show players like Song and show players like Danielson that they've got real competition for places, that there are young players, really, really talented young players coming along who are going to push them and who want their places in the team. So whether they can raise their game to match that or whether they get overtaken. Either way, it's a healthy situation uh, for the club. We also saw the return of Samir Nasri after his broken leg in pre-season training. Happy to see him back. He's a good player. Another one who can add options uh, either in that midfield three or that front three, because he did play there, I think, uh, in France, maybe behind the striker or that second striker also. And that's something he'd be comfortable with too. So, you know, while Rosicki's out, we've got a couple more coming back and a couple more who have announced themselves. Uh, the winning goal came from Nicholas Bentner. I think that was his third or fourth goal of the season. He didn't have a great night overall, but it was a quality goal. Great finish. Um, and overall, good work in the Carlin Cup. The teams left in it. Um, well, it's it's a strong competition this season. We've got United, Chelsea, uh, Man City, Aston Villa, Spurs. Who else? Aston Villa and Blackburn. So none of those games are going to be easy. And I presume the manager will continue his his uh, his team selection by playing younger players, particularly when the games come so close together and they're sandwiched between important league games or, or Champions League games and things like that. But anyway, good fun. Carlin Cup is always fun. Not so much pressure as there are in the other games, so it's it's easier to just sit back and relax and enjoy the football. And generally speaking, uh, Wednesday night was a very, very good game of football. Um, with me now to talk a little bit more about um, what's happened since the last cast and, of course, what's coming up this weekend now is Gilberto Silva from gunnerblog.com hello there hello there um right well we've had a lot of football in the last few days uh, we'll go back uh, painful as it might be to to sunday against west ham and two nil up that was a game arsenal should have won it really was i mean from that position it was a real letdown to concede and get pad back to a draw especially after such a similar thing had happened in midweek in europe in holland um there were errors. Um, Manoni made a, a bad mistake, I felt, for the first goal. And uh, Song, a little clumsy, though unlucky to concede the penalty. But what's most disappointing is that we didn't, you know, take the chance to dominate and kill the game before those, before those events happened. 
Mm. I mean, the reaction obviously is is generally negative when something like that happens because a draw feels like a defeat. But the fact is, we ended up getting a point away from home. We should have had mm-hmm. we should have had three. We're up into third position in the league. We've got a game in hand. Um, is it not necessarily indicative of a of a huge flaw in this Arsenal team, or just a, a little blip on the way uh, as things improve? I think, like I say, I think twice in a week to drop a league was, was disappointing. Um, and obviously, I think I don't think it's a hugely significant occurrence. But the problem is that when things like that happen, the sort of the media agenda is fueled. You know, people feel ah, oh, this is a weak Arsenal side, and I do think that puts us under a certain pressure. You know, it makes the fans nervous when we're in the lead at home and stuff, and, and that can start to affect you. I think that to do what we did, following on from that, and come out in midweek and win a game and, and show that you know things things aren't really so bad. Uh, you know, it's, it's the right thing to do. But in the circumstances, it was a little disappointing with United uh, losing. We could have really made some ground on them. Um, but nevertheless, we've still got a game in hand, so it's by no means a disaster. All right, OK. Well, we'll leave that there because, uh, you know, that's in the past and we won't live too far in the past. We'll go back to Wednesday night now and the Carling Cup game against Liverpool. Uh, another good showcase for, for some of the young talent at the club. Uh, it was a bit of a more of a mix and match team, I think, this time because he needed to, to give uh, playing time to experienced players. Senderos and Silvestre, who, who haven't played at all this season, bar the yeah. Carling Cup, as far as I can see. Some fitness for Eduardo, Samir Nasri back. But uh, it's a couple of the young players that really caught the eye for for me, Aaron Ramsey in particular, uh, I thought had an outstanding game. Yeah, he was excellent, and he seems much physically stronger than he was last season. Uh, and the thing that really impressed me about Ramsey is that when he first arrived, he sort of had this tendency on the ball to always look to do the sort of killer pass or have a shot from range, or you know, he too much wanted to be the hero. I felt, and and now he's, he's developing a maturity in his game. He's choosing the right passes at the right time. He's showing some intelligent defensive play as well. Uh, I think he's a, a huge, huge prospect. And I think there are a couple of players in the side who should be looking over their shoulders at the likes of Ramsey uh, and Marisa, who I also thought was excellent. Um, and, of course, Nasri coming back. And, um, you know, we've now got real depth in that midfield area. And competition for the places as well, which, you know, I don't want to speak too much maybe about someone like Abu Dhabi, who's had chance after chance this season. And in fairness to him, he stayed fit and he's he's had some some reasonably good games. But he hasn't, um, in the same way that Flamini, when he got his chance that season, he was, uh, the minute he got into the team, there was no even consideration of dropping him because he he played so well. That's not necessarily true of Diaby. And and when you say you've got Nasri Ramsey pushing, Marita pushing, uh, that that competition for places is going to be healthy, I think. I think so. And I think you're right about Diaby. He's hardly cemented his place. I mean, even the maligned Alex Song has done done more to sort of secure his position in the team. Uh, Diaby, he's had a couple of good games, but this is the problem for him, I think, really, consistency. Whereas Ramsey, although it's not been on a consistent basis yet, whenever he comes into the side, does seem to perform. And it wouldn't surprise me if, as the season draws on, uh, we see more and more of him in particular. All right. Uh, looking ahead to the weekend, it's Arsenal versus Spurs. And it, it's it's funny because the game is happening almost on the same date as it happened last year. And we all know what happened. Arsenal are 4-2 up in the 89th minute and end up drawing the game 4-4. Um, at that point, Arsenal, it, it seemed to affect us quite badly because November was, it was a terrible month for us. There's got to be, particularly in the minds of the players uh, who played that night, uh, a desire to put things right against Spurs tomorrow. 
I think so. I mean, we're 100% at home this season in terms of our record, and I think we'll be really desperate to maintain that, not just because it's our rivals coming, uh, but also because of what happened last year. It was one of the most horrendous games I've witnessed <laughs> live in terms of having to be there at that gut-wrenching moment when they Aaron Lennon equalised and, you know, the six Spurs fans who had stayed uh, sort of celebrating, jumping over the hoardings. It was, it was absolutely awful. And I sort of feel in some ways that's when our season really went off the rails. I think it was post that that we went to Stoke and lost at Stoke immediately after that game. And suddenly then it, it looked hard to get back. If we had, you know, with sort of 20 minutes, well, well no, less than that, sorry, with two minutes ago, it yeah. was 4-2 Arsenal and, and battled in a resounding victory over our rivals and really... You know, we'd beaten Man U. I don't know if we had, but it was around that time. And, uh, you know, we would have been onto a, onto a good thing, but it was so decimating. And some players, I remember Gail Cleese, slipped in that game. It took him a while to recover his confidence from that. It wasn't quite the same for a few months. Um, and I, it was just awful. So if there's any way that we can put that right on Saturday, I'm sure some of those players will be determined to do it. Mm, it really was. Like you say, it was a, it was like a big kick in the bollocks because it, it knocked the stuffing out of us for the best part of a month. And I think the Manchester United game came after we'd lost to right. Man City and it came after we'd lost to Stoke and after we'd lost to, to Aston Villa. Um, and so it took us that long to get going again, but it was one of those. It was a situation like Liverpool, I suppose, were in uh, last weekend where they, they'd gone through a terrible patch of results and were faced with a really, really big game to try and put things right, which we, which we did then. Spurs are in better shape this uh this season than they were this time last season because uh, last season they were all over the place and I think that result actually sparked them in, into life a little bit. Um, Undoubtedly, yeah. Because I think Redknapp had lost a... It was not long after Ramos was sacked. Isn't, isn't that right? And, and Redknapp had just come in. and, and But uh, what have you made of them right. this season? Are they... Um, is it maybe better to be playing them when they are a little more comfortable than... Uh, last year when they were in a situation where they were desperate for, for something, particularly in a North London derby? Perhaps you're right. I mean, I've seen Robbie Keane this morning saying the Spurs have got a stronger squad than Arsenal. I'm not sure I agree with that. There are certain areas where I think that they're definitely better off. But they do have a strong-looking outfit these days, and they've got options. You know, they'll be missing a few players at the weekend. I think Aaron Lennon's not going to be available now, which is a real bonus because he's been in great form. Um, but if you look at their striking options, Defoe, is not available, but they've still got Crouch and Keane, who, despite being two players who've both failed at Liverpool, uh, aren't too bad. So I think they're, they're looking good. I don't think they'll hold out. I don't think they'll finish in the top four. Um, I have to say, I think that the likes of Man City and, and Arsenal are, are stronger. Uh, but they're they're dangerous. Whether or not that will make them complacent, they're good form last far this season, I don't know. I think that would have been more of a danger had they not lost to Stoke last weekend. I think after losing at home to Stoke, they'll be keen to uh, get back on track. So it's sure to be a fiercely competitive game. Mm, it surely will. Now, you've been um, involved in something leading up to this game, uh, a, a little project which uh, I'll give you a chance to talk about now. It's something called Two Halves. What is it? That's right. It's a uh, it's a limited run we're doing of a, a free newspaper uh, that will be given away on the day of the game at various locations, uh, sort of on the Holloway Road and all around the ground. Hopefully, if you stop into a cafe for your pre-match breakfast for like some kickoff, you might find it on a table there. And uh, it's essentially a newspaper that reads two ways. If you read one half, it's Arsenal content written by the likes of. Uh, yourself, good player, East Lower, uh, Gunaholic. I've got a piece in there. We've got an interview with Danny Carbassiun, 
uh, who uh, obviously used to play for us and is now a scout for the club, and Paul Kay. Uh, and then on the other half, there's a Spurs, a Spurs side, so that there's something for them to read to. And if Arsenal fans are remotely interested, they can sort of have a look over the fence and see uh, see what they're worrying about ahead of the game. And uh, like I say, absolutely free, just something that we wanted to do. Some friends of mine had the opportunity to make a newspaper and we thought this would be a, a nice little project, something for fans, by fans, and I hope you know, I hope it'll go down well. All right, and it'll be available around the ground in the pubs and places? As many places as I can get, yeah. We've got a little team handing out. You'll, you'll see us, we've got T-shirts that say two halves, and they've got here... Uh, a, um, a mishmash of a, a face, which is half red map, half finger on the front. It's a terrifying <laughs> sight. It's Frightening like for Halloween. <laughs> horrific love child. It's exactly, it's perfect for oh. Halloween. And uh, yeah, it will be the most terrifying thing out there. So if you see us, come and grab a paper and have a bit of a read before kickoff or at half time. All right. Well, look, best of luck with that. And um, shall we see you at the weekend and talk to you then? Thanks a lot. Gilberto Silver from gunnerblog.com. And if you are going to the game on Saturday, do keep an eye out for the two halves distributors around the ground, in the bars and the cafes before the game. Uh, it's well worth reading. I've had a sneak preview of it and it's uh, it's very interesting reading from an Arsenal point of view. I haven't read the other stuff, of course. Uh, that's mostly because it's upside down in the sneak preview that I got and uh, I'm not standing with my head the other way around to read stuff about Spurs. I'm just not. Uh, so uh, two halves it'll be distributed this Saturday do keep your eye out right uh, still to come team news ahead of the Spurs game right now though we found him Arsene Wenger Hawkins is back hello everyone Arsene Wenger Hawkins with you on the eve of North London Derby if you're wondering where I've been I can give you a small amount of information I'm writing my memoir but there are some legal issues Apparently I'm not allowed to say anything about the time Peter Andre touched my special area, and sadly the whole how I killed Kurt Cobain thing won't make the final copy. Oh well. There's plenty more in there to keep you amused. Like how I feasted for a week on Sherikar, then made love to Stephanie Beecham on a rug made from his skin. At least I think it was Stephanie Beecham. It might have been like leaning lady. Speaking of staff... There's another hilarious incident in the book when I talk about Giles. Giles was my very first personal assistant after this condition took hold of me. He helped me in every way. Physically and mentally he was there for me 24 hours. He bathed me, wiped me, cleaned away my smegma, which for some reason became extra pungent after I lost feeling below the waist. He even fed me, I loved airplanes. Zoom. Arson. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Vayner Hawkins wants Mash Mash. We. He was great for me psychologically, too. It was a lot to take in, and he taught me relaxation exercises. 
how to meditate and how not to get completely and utterly burdened with something that I could not control. I think it's fair to say we were more than stricken employer and employee. We were friends. Best friends. We went everywhere together. I mean, he pushed me everywhere together. But something so fantastic is never meant to last. One day, I discovered completely by chance that he was a Tottenham fan. It felt like betrayal. This man, who had cleaned my no-no hole, was a dirty spud. To say I was heartbroken would be an understatement. I confronted him and tearfully he confessed, but said it wasn't his fault. He said, my old man said be a Tottenham fan. I paused for a moment before I replied, fuck off, bollocks, you're a cunt. He fucked off. Oh yes. Arsene Wenger Hawkins' autobiography will be published, I think, in January next year. It's called Take a Bow, Son. It's only a game of two halves when the fat lady sings, and she's got a great touch for a big man. Uh, promises to be a very, very interesting read. I'm looking forward to it, I have to say. Now, you might have heard Robbie Keane during the week talking about how the Tottenham bench is, is stronger than the Arsenal bench. And uh, to, to explain himself, I've got Robbie Keane on the phone right now. Hello, Robbie. Now, um, your comments, uh, they've raised some eyebrows. You, you you honestly think that the Tottenham bench is stronger than the Arsenal one? Yeah, of course I do. I mean, why would I say it otherwise? But, I mean, does the fact that Tottenham uh, have finished so far down the league all these years not tell you that there's, there's a marked difference between uh, the two sides, and particularly the options that Arsenal have coming off the bench? Look, I am an expert when it comes to sitting on benches after my time at Liverpool, and I can tell you for a fact that the Tottenham bench is stronger than the Arsenal one. But that doesn't really make any sense. If you had better options, then maybe you'd do better in the league. Do, do, you see where I'm coming you from? You know, I'm finding it very difficult to understand why you're finding it so difficult to understand me. The whole concept is very simple, you know? I just, I just, oh, I mean, I'm just staggered, to be honest, that you genuinely think that this is the case. That the Tottenham bench is stronger than Arsenal's. Well, of course it's stronger, you bleeding muppet. Harris has to hold Tom Huddleston. Oh dear. Robbie Keane, thank you very much. And break a leg on Saturday, won't you? Please. Two, if you must. Um, The goalkeeping situation. Fabianski returned on Wednesday against Liverpool and it was widely believed that he would then continue in goal uh, against Spurs on Saturday, giving him the opportunity to claim the number one position for himself. For whatever reason, Manuel Almunia is out of favour. Uh, Vito Manone is now beginning to display the traits which make him a third-choice goalkeeper, which is not his fault. He's young and inexperienced, and uh, his inexperience, though, has cost us. On Sunday, it cost us, and uh, I suppose those are things that young goalkeepers have to go through. They make those kind of mistakes, but Arsenal can't necessarily afford to have that kind of a goalkeeper um, playing if you want to win things. Uh, so Fabianski was supposed to come back and supposed to go into the team and stay there. That would have been the thing. However, he's out for three weeks after the game uh, against Liverpool. Apparently, he's got a thigh injury. I find it kind of remarkable because, I mean, he didn't seem injured at all uh, during the game. Uh, and he didn't seem to have any problem kicking the ball out. or And then you think afterwards, what what sort of a thigh injury? has he got that is going to keep him out for three weeks? A little bit of a pulled muscle. You know, you kind of think, maybe they're just a bit soft. 
Why can't you get one of the centre halves to take the kickouts? I know you don't see that very often anymore. Very rarely, in fact. That a centre half takes the kickouts, but come on. Surely it can't be that bad that he needs to be out for three weeks? I don't know. Footballers are so brittle these days. They really are. Give him an old cortisone injection straight into the thigh, and by the time he's finished the course of uh, cortisone, his, his thigh will be better. Everyone's happy? Okay, long term. In the future, he may get arthritis and lumps and things, but, you know, it's now that matters. So the manager now has a big decision to make ahead of Saturday's game against Spurs, having seen Manone make a big error against West Ham, which has essentially allowed them back into the game. Does he stick with the Italian? Does he bring back Almunia? Which I think is unlikely. Because if he was going to bring back Almunia, he'd have done it the minute he was fit. So it's um, it's a bad situation. The goalkeeping situation at the club is quite all over the place at the moment. And it's something we really, really need to get sorted sooner rather than later. Fabianski appears to be a little bit injury prone. I thought he did well on Wednesday night. He looked uh, a lot more decisive uh, than he did last season, for example, particularly under pressure in the box, under the cross or the high ball or the corner. He claimed a few of those and, and physically I thought he was uh, he was much better. He sort of dominated his area more than uh, Almunia ever has. So he, I thought he was going to have a good chance to go on and, and, um, and make things a little bit easier or, or help things settle down in the goalkeeping department. But if he's going to be out for three weeks and we're either with uh, Manone or Almunia, I don't know. It's a very odd situation and one that he's going to have to solve sooner rather than later. And if that involves spending some money in January, then maybe he's going to have to do that. Because we can't allow a situation like this where we don't know who's going to play in goal from one game to the next. That's not good. And I don't mean from a fan's point of view. I mean from a team point of view. And if you've got a team who are trying to nurse a young goalkeeper through... uh, a very steep learning curve because it's very difficult to go from playing reserve team football and all of a sudden you're playing Premier League and Champions League. That's asking a lot of any young player who hasn't got any experience. So, um, yeah, it's a very odd situation. So uh, hopefully something will get sorted or whoever goes in there from now on can stay there for a little while and perform at a level that you would expect uh, a goalkeeper in a top four side to perform at. Um, Rosicki is going to be out, which is unfortunate. Uh, God knows how long he's going to be missing for. Seems a bit ominous now. It was only supposed to be a few days, and here we are a couple of weeks later and still no sign of him. This is a bit deja vu-y to me. Uh, no Walcott, obviously, to Nielsen, Juru, etc., etc. But apart from that, we should have a reasonably full uh, squad uh, going into the game tomorrow. Now, before we go a bit further, Sylvester. Hello, everyone. It's me again, Sylvester. I played football those a night. Oh, about time. I'm a five times a night guy. Not a twice in two months guy. It was so exciting. I played ever so well. And now I'm waiting to see if I get back in the teams this weekend against Tottenham. Actually, Tottenham made me an offer before I joined Arsenal, you know. They said, come to our club. We'll give you everything you want. I said, no, thank you. If I wanted to run around with 11 cocks, I can think of better places to do it. Uh, Oh, baby.
Now, barring any uh, mishaps or poisoning or sabotage or something like that, I don't think there's much chance of Sylvester being involved in the team tomorrow. Uh, he did play last year. Um, he scored as well, didn't he? If I remember correctly. I've tried to blank that game out of my mind because, as Gilberto Silver said earlier, it was just awful. We were watching it. I remember watching it over in a friend's house and there was myself and the Mug Smasher and a couple of other people and a couple of friends. And I think there was about five or six of us there and two of us were Arsenal fans. And at the end, we were just, we were just sat there looking at each other going, what? Um, because it was just so astonishing that we'd managed to throw away a two-goal lead with... with barely two minutes to go in the game and it really did knock the stuffing out of that team because they went on in November to play very poorly and three defeats that ultimately cost us any chance of competing for the title now don't get me wrong I don't think last season we had a team that was capable of uh, competing for the title um, but you have to wonder maybe if that result against Spurs hadn't happened maybe we wouldn't have lost against Stoke. And maybe we might have grown up a bit quicker. Um, it just seemed to be a, a real, real setback uh, for this team, for its confidence, uh, for the fans' confidence in the team. And I think from then, that's where the, the angst amongst fans came from. Um, having seen us thrown away two points at home against them, of all teams against them. Most of their fans had gone home. They, they fucked off because they, they knew it was over. Everybody knew it was over. And then all of a sudden it was 4-4 and it was, how? And that damaged this team and it damaged the fans' relationship with this team, which is why tomorrow is hugely important, I think. Because the start to the season and the way we've played has gone a long way to repair that. It really has. And that's that's absolutely the right thing. But that's how you go about solving problems like that. You play better. And you win back the confidence of the fans and the team has got more confidence in itself and the manager, people have got confidence in the manager again. And it all got very tetchy last year and it wasn't nice. I don't think anybody really enjoyed it. But it was just so frustrating. And it all, for me, it all stemmed from that game. So tomorrow, when we play them, we need to fucking kill them. Like, we really need to kick these cunts right in the fucking cunt. Not 1-0 or 2-0. I'll take 1-0. Of course I'll take 1-0. But we've got to win this game. The players have got to go into this game knowing what happened last year. Knowing how much it hurt them. How much it hurt the manager. How much it hurt everybody at the club. How much it hurt the supporters. The knock-on effects of that game really, really did damage. And yes, they've gone about things the right way. And yes, since really the start of of uh, two thousand and nine, you know, we've gone on this. We went on this long unbeaten run, I think, in the league, or you know, in general, we went a, a load of games unbeaten. Uh, we've lost two games this season, and and they were both away in Manchester. Um, we won't call them blips just yet because we've, you know, we've got to see how this team will perform away from home in big games. Um, but tomorrow, 
is a chance to put last year to bed, to bury the corpse of that game, which still kind of haunts us a little bit. And when you go into it having done what we did against West Ham, you know, people are on edge. Nobody ever wants uh, anything but to beat Spurs, obviously. But this season, I don't know, after what happened last year, there's got to be a desire among the fans and among the players and the staff and the manager to put right what went so badly wrong last year. That 4-4 game, that should not have been 4-4. It should have been 6-1 or 6-2 because we had so many chances to really, really kill that game. So we need to show them that we owe them. And if it's a 1-0 and a scrappy 1-0, at the end of the day, I'll take that. No problem. But at the same time, you know, I'd, I'd like us to turn them over properly. Absolutely, totally and utterly turn them over. Maybe I'm expecting too much. But it's not wrong to hope for it, is it? It's not. Certainly not. So we'll keep our fingers crossed for that. I'll be over for the game. Hope to see some of you in the usual drinking spot. Three points for Arsenal will do very, very nicely indeed. No matter how they come. I know what I would like most. And how I would like us to get it. But once we get it, I honestly don't care how. But I want us to kill them. Stone dead. To death. Fatally kill them. Not just metaphorically. Actually, you know. I think probably now is a good time to leave it before I say things that I probably shouldn't say. So, let's all keep our fingers crossed for a good result this weekend. I'll talk to you uh, on the blog. Uh, only day tripping, so I'll be around to do the blog. Uh, Tom can stay in his bed um, and not get up and not not do the blog. <laughs> that right, Tom? Yep. And, uh, of course, I'll talk to you all next week on the blog and on next week's Arsecast. So, until then, take it easy. Have a great weekend. Come on, the arsehole. Let's kill them! I mean, let's win the game. No, let's kill them. Bye. I don't remember the exact year, now that you ask. I suspect it was early 1970s, as I was spending an awful lot of time with Tony Newley. He'd become fascinated with me, you see. We did a lot of acid together and played wheelbarrows up and down Oxford Street late at night. It's a much less exciting game than it sounds, but I was rather partial to the game of football, and Tony, well, he took some convincing. He was more of a lacrosse man. There wasn't a thing he didn't know about the game. Who was the Tibetan champion in 18... 
1847, he knew it all quite where he got his information from. To this day, is still a mystery to me. But I took him to see Bournemouth one day. I was advised to go down. There was a barely little midfielder I might enjoy, and by crikes, they were right. He ran riot that day, and after the game, I simply had to introduce myself to him, and I said hello, and he said hello. I said, look, your legs, your thigh muscles are marvellous. How about a pint? Well, if you insist, I said, mine's beef eater. <laughs> oh, we laughed. We became firm friends then, you see, Harry and I, that was his name. But we drifted apart, as you do, and it wasn't until the late 80s that I saw him again, and I was staggered, flabbergasted, if you will, by the difference in the man. And I spoke to some mutual acquaintances and friends, and I said, have you noticed what's going on with Harry? And they said, yes, we have. I said, well, where did he get that twitch? And they said, well, we don't have the first clue. Well, to me, that was entirely unsatisfactory. You don't go from not having a twitch to having a twitch overnight. You must have got it somewhere. Something must have happened. Some discreet inquiries led me nowhere, so I decided I'd hire a private investigator, a chap by the name of Dominic Diamond, operated out of a little room on the Holloway Road, paid him eighteen pounds a day to dig up the information for me, which he duly did. Turns out that he got the twitch in a card game. He won it from Stan Bowles. Of course, I was delighted with myself finding out where he got the twitch and went and told everybody, but they simply said, look, we don't care where he got the twitch. All we know is that he's got it, and that's good enough for us. I said, look, I can tell you. And they said, look, Algernon, leave it. Leave it alone. For once in your damn life, just leave it. So I left it. To this day, it's my biggest regret. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 